Topics Christians should be talking about, but don't. Mm, that kind of hits close to home, doesn't it? It's one of those conversations that might make you feel a little uncomfortable. We're talking with Mike Novotny, who's written a book called Taboo, the topics Christians should be talking about, but don't. Mike, thanks uh, for, for uh, stopping by and talking to us a little bit. This is one of those things you cover an awful lot of subjects in this book that make us uncomfortable. And I think that's one reason we don't talk about stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is a book about anxiety, depression, suicide, sex, sexual intimacy, sexual orientation, alcohol, divorce, uh, pornography, abortion, abuse, adultery, and just a couple other things. Wow, is there anything you don't cover in this one? It's like, wow, okay. That's a fair question. I figured as long as we're all putting on extra deodorant, let's just let's just get it all out at once. Exactly. Yeah, well, I think you know, that's a good. I think that's a good strategy because so many times we avoid these conversations because they're uncomfortable, right? They're not ones that we really want to delve into because we don't like conflict. Yeah, for sure. They're difficult for parents to have with their kids. Um, it's difficult for church leaders and Christians in small groups to to bring up, but. Uh, my own story is a little bit of the impetus of this book. So for many, many years, I was a church-going, uh, Bible-reading, Jesus-loving kid who was addicted to Internet pornography. Yeah. And um, I hated it, and I repented of it again and again and again. I read my Bible. I, I actually memorized huge chunks of Scripture that talk about honoring God with our bodies and fleeing from sexual immorality but what I noticed in my own life and what I've seen in so many Christian lives is that things rarely change unless we talk about it. Mm-hmm. And in my case, it was stepping out of that secrecy and silence and actually getting help and counseling and encouragement from the Church that God gave me to live in. And I've kind of noticed that with, with all these topics, as awkward and as uncomfortable as it is, as much as we just hope it all works out if we keep it between us and God, um, not talking is not helping and what I hope this book does is just like, you know, give people a, a nice, gentle, biblical push to start having conversations mm-hmm. that, yes, are going to be uncomfortable. But man, once we grab God's Word with God's people, it's really surprising and beautiful what God can do. There's a lot of times where we're, we don't want to bring up a subject or have a conversation with somebody about a particular subject because of the societal conflict. You know, one person says this is the right thing, and another social media post says, no, this is the right thing. And then God talks to our hearts and said, this is the right thing. There's there's so many different um, inputs and so many different conflicting viewpoints that that contributes a bit to our reluctance, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it really does. One of my passions in each chapter of the book was um, I use a Bible search engine called Bible Gateway. And I would just try to type in every related word to a topic I was studying. So if I'm studying politics, you know, what, what does God actually have to say? There's all these cultural voices that say A or B or C. Mm-hmm. But if I type in every time the Bible uses the word government or govern or rule or ruler or kingdom or taxes or, <laughs> you know, all these things, what do you find? And, and it's actually really clarifying. It's, you know, there's certainly some tension and complication and interpretation, but so often— if you, if you just type in the words and let God speak, his voice is really clear, and the forgiveness and truth and guidance he offers is, is right there for the taking. So that's my hope, just with lots of compassion and empathy and understanding with the complexity of lots of these issues, to get people back into the Word so that God can set the agenda. Mm-hmm. Mike, a lot of times on social media when we 
have a disagreement about one of these subjects, we hear response or comments that are just so cruel, yeah. you know, and yeah. not kind at all. And so sometimes we kind of back away from giving truth because we're afraid we're going to be looked at like that person that does respond in an ungracious, ungracious way. Yeah. Yeah, I think so much of this, and you know, there's no there's no magic bullet in a fallen world. But what I've kind of learned, almost all the chapters in this book came from sermons that I got to preach here in Wisconsin. And what I noticed so often is, you know, even though not everyone agrees on everything, if if you start a conversation with an open Bible and lots of compassion, um, that has a way of just setting the tone mm-hmm. for the conversation in really healthy ways. So whether it's, hey, here's something I've struggled with, or, hey, you might not agree with this, but I, I met this young uh, gay couple the other day, and here, here's what I learned. Or maybe you've never struggled with what gender you are, mm-hmm. but I talked to a, a young woman last week, and I, I just didn't realize what a real struggle this is. When, when we set the tone by beginning with love and gentleness, it, it's just been so healthy and life-giving, and, and that's what I've kind of learned from this book, that we don't have to avoid the conversations, but we have to avoid a certain form of these conversations that starts with, like, aggression and, you know, dropping Bible verses like bombs on people's heads. <laughs> there's, right. a, there's, a, there's a way to do this, and, and that's what the Bible talks about with gentleness, respect, preaching truth, but in love. Well, and that, and that's the other thing, is one of the reasons we have a reluctance to talk to even our Christian brothers and sisters about what we're dealing with is there are many, many times the response is judgment. Um, are, are you dealing with a, an emotional issue? Are you dealing with, you know, thoughts of suicide? Well, maybe your faith just isn't strong enough. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you are you dealing with, you know, being tempted by pornography? Well, are you sure you're saved? I have heard these responses more times than I care to remember. And, you know, in, in talking with other people and, 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 and listening and, and trying to to be helpful, you hear these comments and you can just see the, well, first of all, the the courage that it took to open up the first place just collapse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, when someone confesses in my office that they're struggling with A, B, or C, and it's obviously coming from a repentant heart, the, the first thing on my agenda always is to get back to Jesus. Right. So I love looking people in the eye and just asking this question. You know that God loves you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, but Pastor, I, I just told you I, I got an abortion, or I was unfaithful to my husband. Like, yeah, I heard that. We're going to talk about that. But you know that because of the cross of Jesus, God loves you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's that's a huge passion for me, not just behavior modification, but getting people back to the real cross, the real Jesus, and the mm-hmm. real grace. Yeah. That is the ultimate answer for all the things we talk about Amen. in this book. Amen. So, Mike, you mentioned earlier that you not only write about these subjects, but you've preached about them. Is there any message that you brought that had an incredible impact or one that also had a great pushback to it? Yeah, you know, out of all of them, and the one that really did intimidate me the most, we had a three-week series that shows up in this book on abuse. Mm -hmm. And that was the one where we spoke, first of all, to people who've been abused, which is a shocking number of women and men. Mm-hmm. Um, then we actually spoke to abusers because, well, if the church is going to open its doors and call all to repentance, um, there's going to be people like the Apostle Paul who are violent people uh, that need the gospel too. 
And then we spoke to the church, you know, what do we do in a world where some people will be abused and some people will be abusive? And uh, honestly, after those sermons, uh, um, there was just a flood of emails and Mm -hmm. conversations and and people that had been like part of my congregation that I've been preaching to for years, and I never knew. But once it was safe enough to talk about, once we addressed this with an open Bible and lots of compassion, people finally felt the courage Mm -hmm. to step into the light. So that, that was the one that I prayed like, God, I don't want to trigger anyone. I don't want to you know, re-traumatize anyone. But I want people to know that we can talk about even that in a place like this and bring it all back to Jesus. Mike, I got a, a difficult question for you. And if you want to just say no, that's perfectly okay. <laughs> um, but when you're having a conversation with someone that comes to you and they say, I'm dealing with uh, temptations of homosexuality. I'm dealing with temptations of uh, pornography or dr- whatever, whatever the issue is, right? You mentioned A, B, or C, right? Um, and, and you're trying to lovingly guide them to Scripture, and the response is, well, I'm sorry, but this is how God made me. Uh, yeah. I can't do anything about it. This is, this is who I am. I can't do anything about it. How do you, how do you address that when, when the rationale from the individual is, oh, this is how God made me. This is, you know, God loves me the way I am, so why should I change? Yeah, yeah, great, great question. Um, I would probably test that theory and say, so what you're saying is, if you feel something by nature that you didn't one day choose, that makes it morally okay. Mm. So, okay, let, let's test that theory a little bit. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if I feel racist by nature, if I, well, if by my nature, my eyes don't want to be faithful to just one woman, I want to look at all the women. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Um, if a little kid feels something by nature, should his parents never correct them? I, I think with enough analogies, we kind of start to realize, oh, maybe that's not the operating principle that determines morality. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean resisting any of those things is natural or easy, but I, I think I'd want to expose the half-truth of that statement. And then get back to a text like Romans 7, where you know, the Apostle Paul was very aware of <laughs> his own sinful nature and the battle that he was going to have to fight throughout his whole life. Mm-hmm. And yet at the end of the day, he said, even though I'm a, I'm a wretched man who's fighting this old flesh, there's a Jesus in whom I find forgiveness, and there's no condemnation right now, even for a guy who's struggling like me. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want to expose the truth of that statement, that I want to get back to Jesus and say, this might be hard for you. Uh, this might be a struggle for you. You you might have to battle this today, tomorrow, until your last breath, but it's so worth it. And let me tell you why Jesus makes it worth it. That's awesome. Great. Yeah, that's excellent. That's great. So, Mike, this is an election year, and <laughs> oh. we're going to be... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. We, we are going to be seeing a lot of ads, a lot of conversation, a lot of discussion in church narthexes or, you know, yeah. different areas when people come over to our home for dinner. And maybe with people that are voting differently than us. And, uh, yeah, like, how do you, should we engage in the conversation or should we just say, nope, I'm not going to go there? <laughs> exactly. Oh, just pretend you have COVID and never go to social <laughs> <laughs> So avoidance is what you're saying. <laughs> That's it. Yes. That was a short chapter on politics. Just run. Run away fast. <laughs> Run, scream, and hide. Uh, Next. Yeah, I, yeah I've, I have two chapters in the book on politics. And what really struck me recently, I was doing a study of the whole New Testament and all of its verses on, on um, you know, earthly rulers, politics. 
And what so struck me was that the Apostle Paul wrote one of the longest letters in his ministry to the Romans, who are in Rome, which is the the political the Washington D.C. of the ancient world, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and does Paul bring up politics and earthly rule? He does. Romans thirteen is a pretty famous section, but it's it's actually like I think two paragraphs talking about politics, mm-hmm. and then Paul spends the rest of his sixteen chapter letter talking about sin, salvation, living a righteous life, loving yeah. even our enemies. Uh, Pre Romans thirteen and post Romans thirteen. Like that politics section is sandwiched in between the urgency of loving all people. So I would say as we try to prepare our hearts for this election year, um, read Romans 13 and and get a good expectation for what God wants out of governing leaders. By the way, it's not to preach the gospel or to duplicate the work of the Church. That's essential to know. Um, But just the context where even to these Christians in Rome, living in the shadow of the most powerful political rulers of the day, what mattered most to Paul was love. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love each other. If someone insults you, um, leave the vengeance to God, and instead heap burning coals on the heads of your enemies that they might be ashamed of their slander. So let's not get pulled into the sinful drama. Let's be above it as we follow Jesus. That is so good. You know, this is everything that we've talked about, every subject that you bring up and every way you address it, it is, I would say, biblical common sense. Hmm. And I I am very appreciative um, there are there are so many things that we need to talk about. We need to address both for our spiritual and our emotional health and our 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 relationships to friends and family, even coworkers. The honesty and 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 just the biblical common sense that you express in this and and what we've talked about is very refreshing. And I'm very appreciative of your work. Now I, I really am. I I really appreciate that. It's it's been. An honor and a humbling task, but out of all the sermons I preached after 16 and a half years of being a pastor, what I've kind of noticed are the taboo ones are the ones that make the biggest impact. Mm-hmm. So that dis- that mm-hmm. discomfort, we-, we often avoid it, but on the other side of those conversations is something really beautiful. Well, I really in- appreciate that you take us back to opening God's Word when we're in these conversations. Yep. I think if you have an open Bible in front of you, it's going to be a different conversation than if you're just, yeah. you know, flying by the seat of your pants and your emotions. Yeah, so, yes, yes. Oh, well, I really appreciate this. We're talking with Mike Novotny. His book is Taboo, Topics Christians Should Be Talking About But Don't. How do we get a hold of the book, my friend? Yeah, you can just go to Amazon, type in tab. I- I've learned this, though, be careful. Type in Taboo Pastor Mike um, on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's good <laughs> advice. There's, there's a bunch of... There's a bunch of, like, if you want to see romance novels with guys with amazing six-packs, yeah. scroll down a bit. <laughs> <don't> yeah. <laughs> so type in uh, Taboo Pastor Mike, or you can just go to tabooBook.org and you'll find a direct link. There you go. <laughs> got to be careful when you're doing the internet searching, don't you? <laughs> Wonderful. Again, Mike, thank you. Thank you so very much for being with us today. I, I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having me.